0: Okay, I'm going to go ahead and come on live a little bit early at six twenty-two p.m. And uh, so far, I only see one person. Of course, the most faithful Otha May is out there. So, hello, Otha May. Hmm. If you are talking, David, I can't hear you. Nope, can't hear you. I probably need to add you to the stream in order to do that. Ah, we have another person coming on. And we have ten people watching, someplace. I don't know which one it was. <clears throat> We're going to be starting in Isaiah chapter eleven. If you want to dig for that, David, is that gray hair I see coming in you? <laughs> Welcome to the party. (laughs) Uh, Well, it's like my hairdresser says, haircut, whatever you call her. uh, I I don't care what color it is as long as I have some of it. And she says, well, we don't really lose hair. It migrates. It moves from our head down to the top of our nose on our ears, in our ears, the back of our neck. You know, they, it moves all of the wrong places. So we still have a hair. We don't lose our hair. It just decides to move. <clears throat> okay, we've got some more people coming on. <clears throat> Good to be here, Jeremy. Glad to have you. Praise the Lord from Wildemar, California. Okay. Hello Stan, you're a DOD friend here. DOD. Oh. <clears throat> okay. Okay. All right. I, I don't remember the name, but I, I remember talking to you. Emailing anyway. I think <clears throat> if my voice will cooperate. I think I've got some very important information to share with you tonight. I think this can be a really good Bible study. I know that the anointing of the Lord has been with me ever since I started praying about what I'm supposed to be bringing in the Bible study, and uh, I I think I've got something real powerful to share with you as soon as we get started here. We're waiting for 630 on the button. I'm muted. David, are you hearing me? Yeah, okay. No, I'm not muted. It's probably muted on your end. Is everybody hearing me? Okay. Yeah, okay. Brenda says, I hear you. I hear. Okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry. I thought I was done with this stuff. I drink tart cherry juice. I was getting it out of uh Michigan, I think anyway, I ordered this from Washington and it seems to be really tasty i uh it's you know I, as you get older, you have to make some changes in your diet <laughs> and uh, Drinking pop and stuff like that's just not so good. And my body has got to where it doesn't like anything sugar. So I order this tart cherry juice and then I'll put stevia in. And I've got a specific brand that I like. And even Leslie, which is very picky on her taste buds, even she says it tastes like cherry pie. It does. Tastes really good. Tastes better than Coke and Dr. Pepper and all that sort of stuff. And has no sugar. It's actually good for you. Uh, Matter of fact, a lot of people drink tart cherry juice because it keeps their joints from hurting. My joints are hurting, but uh, I figure if it's good for one person one way, maybe it's good for me too. Okay, let's see. We got 42 on board so far, looks like, in one place. And one on Facebook. Uh, David, that 40. Is that on YouTube? What's the 43 that's showing up on the YouTube? Is that right? I can see your head. Here, I'll I'll click and join you to here. I'll add you to the stage. Now I'll probably hear you talk now. Yeah, that's showing 43 live viewers now 40. So on various channels. Okay. Most of which are Prophecy with Stan on YouTube. And then we've got the the second group is Let me on. Turn that uh, and you, Say that again now. Uh, Forty three live viewers, most of which are on uh, YouTube, and then we've got about fourteen on Facebook. So you can hover over that, and you can see where they're located. Oh, really? Well, I'm yes. learning all kinds of things. Oh, prophecy with Stan. That would be YouTube. The Prophecy Club is sixteen. That's Facebook, though. Right. Prophecy Club Zero. Prophecy Club on X. I think it's funny how everybody says, you know, it used to be Twitter. They can't just yeah. X. Yeah. I think it was a bad idea, but anyway, change your name. I agree. Uh, Okay, we've got one minute. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to take you off here. One minute. Always listening from Florence, Colorado. Michael, well, God bless you, sir. Hey, Stan, looking good, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I can hear it. Yes, yes. Five by five. Monk fruit is a great natural sweetener. You know, I've heard of that. I'll have to try that. I'll have to try that. From Virginia. Okay. Okay. All right, it is time to start. <coughs> I'm, I, I, I thought I was by this, so hopefully I won't be coughing too much. All right, so, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. And, Lord, we say great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee when thy judgments are made manifest. And Lord, all of these people joining in on this Bible study, be it live or be recorded, we all look forward to the time we see you at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We look forward to the time you're brought before the ancient of days and you're given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. For your dominion is an everlasting dominion, your kingdom is that which shall not be destroyed. We want to see every knee bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Because wisdom and might are yours. You removeth kings and setteth up kings. You giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. You revealeth the deep and secret things. You knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with you. And Lord, we gather tonight in your name, Jesus, because you said... Wherever two more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And Lord, we ask you to show us the deep and secret things. Help us to understand your word. It's not just ink on paper, because heaven and earth shall pass away, but your word will never pass away. Your word is eternal. And to understand it, it takes you and the Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you to be with us, not just me, but everyone out there, even the people watching it by recording, so that. You will help us to remember, help us to see and understand what you're saying, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. As I said, I think I've got some exciting things to share with you. So first, uh, I thought this was interesting. I got this today. Let me click on the right thing here. Get the right window. This is it. Okay. So this... I want, yeah, that's where, okay. This is actually the latest dream from Vicky Goforth Parnell. And the first page and a half is kind of slow. So I'm going to get right to the point. It says here, soon and very soon, in this nation of Babylon and places of the world, that having a copy of my holy word in any physical form, that's paper or I assume computer or cell phone, whatever it is, in any physical form, shall come with a stiff penalty. Okay, did you catch that? And there was another guy that had a dream that he saw that here in America, that they were rounding up the Bibles, everyone was bringing them down to the local football stadium, where there was a big fire, and they were throwing their Bibles into the fire. Just go on. Having a copy of my holy word in any physical, any physical form shall come with a stiff penalty even up to death in some instances. Okay, so you're probably like me. You've already made that decision that whatever it is, you're probably going to give your life for Jesus, and that'll be okay. Let's go on. Evil is no longer restrained. I give you a warning again, my people. You need to know that my holy word, lest you be deceived, you need to read my holy word and study it to know me, for I am the written word of God that has come in the flesh. If you have not learned me, how will you how will you do so when my word, the physical copies you hold in your hands, are no longer available? A famine is now declared of those seeking to find my word in physical form. Prepare, my children, to teach those in secret who yearn to know of me as tribulation days increase. For you do not know the hour or the day I will come, or if you will be one called to reach others in this way and form. Be prepared to give a reason to all of this blessed hope in your lives, which is in me, Jesus Christ. Then I awoke. Meaning, we got to know this word. I've got about... 14 or 15 Bibles back behind me. (laughs) Uh, All King James, I might add. Wouldn't have another one of those prayer versions in my house. Um, But I can see the time coming when they're going to round up the Bibles. And I'll tell you how I think they're going to do it, too. I just ran across another article I could show you, but take too much time to, to fool with. But... I'm probably going to have it on this next week. I'm just waiting for a place to kind of stick it in. But it says that it's a confirmation of what Benjamin Fulford was told, that they are about to bring a top secret briefing into the House of Representatives and the Senate. And they're going to tell them that, yes, aliens exist. And, you know, surely we already know that. Okay, Uh, How's it worded? No man in heaven nor under the earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book. Neither look there on Revelation chapter 5. So the Bible tells us that there's beings above, beings on the earth, and beings under the earth. Okay, So there's more than just us. Anyway, this this thing that is called the disclosure, where they are going to actually... I, I think that the time will come when UFOs, and we're not getting into this tonight, okay, I'm just making a comment, that UFOs, the aliens, whatever you want to call them, fallen angels, uh, Nephilim, will come down in their anti-gravity flying devices and probably land on the White House lawn, pop the hatch, and say, here we are. And, of course, a lot of people will then begin to let loose of what little they have belief in Jesus right then. And then especially... When these fallen angels bring back, bring out technology that they've been working on developing over 6,000 years since Adam and Eve ate of the, uh, and ate of the fruit. Anti gravity, free energy, time machines, med beds, healing. Remember, the scripture says, In those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, but death shall flee from them. That gives a picture that most people on earth somehow have eternal life in this body, not eternal life in the next world, but in this world. So there's all kinds of high technology out there. The Bible also says that God, not Satan, God will send them a strong delusion. So all those that not come to the knowledge of the truth that, believe, that Jesus is the Lord, Knowledge of the truth should believe a lie and be damned. I think that when these aliens, these fallen angels, come out of their flying saucers and say, here I am, I think you're going to see CNN, ABC, CBS, all of those guys, they're going to jump with those. Oh, this is wonderful. And then, of course, the Antichrist comes out, and they're going to start saying things like, oh, by the way, we got to tell you about this other thing. You guys are all mixed up on this Bible stuff. Okay, this guy, Jesus, you know, and they're going to say all kinds. Matter of fact, Revelation says, And it was given him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power is given to him to continue 42 months. And he opened his mouth and blasphemed against God. To blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and them that dwell in heaven. That means that God gives the Antichrist a mouth and allows him to say all manner of bad things against him, the Bible, the people in heaven, church, everything Christian, and probably from that, there's going to be a great Bible roundup, a great Bible roundup. Probably in the football stadiums near you, you'll see big fires where they're tossing their Bibles in, taking the mark of the beast, sad to say, and and here's what the Lord spoke to me preparing for our meeting tonight. He said specifically, Isaiah 13, and probably, and here, here's what I said. Okay, so so here's what happened. So I got right on my knees, <clears throat> as I do. Lord, what do you want to say for the Bible study? And I heard real clear, 13. And then, I, you know, listen more, and I believe he's saying Isaiah 13. And so I continued to pray and see if there was anything else. And what kept coming to me is tell them that Isaiah 13, and I think he was also referring to the rest of the scriptures that we're going to cover in Isaiah tonight, are going to be fulfilled in their lifetime. Now, let me define that. That doesn't mean that every person watching this, both live and also recorded version, is all going to happen in your lifetime. What it's saying is that before everybody that will see this will die off, these things will come to pass. So it's, Things we're covering tonight, surreal. That's the way we say it down Texas way. Surreal important. Okay. So let's go to the Bible. We're going to go to Isaiah 13. Probably a faster way to do this. I just don't know how to do it. Okay, here we go. <coughs> and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. That would be Jesus and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and mind, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, all talking about Jesus. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge. So who is the righteous judge? At both the bema seat, or the judgment seat of Christ, And the great white throne. Who is the judge? I believe it's Matthew. I think it's Matthew five twenty one or something like that. Says the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment under the Son. So Jesus is the righteous judge. Period. Both of righteousness shall he judge the poor. Verse four, and reprove the equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. What's that talking about? That's talking about when he returns on a white horse with the armies in heaven and me and you just coming from the marriage supper in tow. And then Jesus, with the two angels that have the sharp sickles, looks down and goes, <sighs> with the breath of his nostrils, he blows as the lightning shines even from the east out of the west, so also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And that is the morning star. And him that overcometh and keepeth my works to the end, the same will give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And as the vessels of a potter, they should be broken to shivers, shivers as ashes, even as the receiver of my father. And I will give him the morning star. Revelation 3, I believe, 2 or 3. Anyway, so the rod of his mouth is the morning star. And we talk about this a lot, so I won't go into a lot of detail, but it goes to the center of the earth. It dissolves the sun, the moon, and the stars, and it burns up everything that is sinful, everything. And that happens on the first uh, day of Armageddon, which is the Feast of Trumpets. Then 10 days later, that's the great white throne. Those are the people that never had, never heard of, never had the opportunity to receive Jesus. All right, let's go on. Verse 9, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 5. And righteousness shall be, the, shall be the gird of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, that's in the millennium, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and the little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed, the young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. All of that happens in the tribulation, I mean, in the, the millennium, after Jesus returns for Armageddon. And the cycling child shall play on the hole of the asp, that's a snake. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockroach's den. Some places have that as snake, some of them have that as spider. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I believe it's Jeremiah 31:31 31, 31 says, They shall not say, Know the Lord, but they shall all know the Lord, even from the least unto the greatest of them. In other words, after Jesus has removed the sinners from the earth, everyone, everyone knows the Lord. And <clears throat> there's two groups of people at that point left on the earth: those people whose names were written in the book of life that get eternal life. And the nations, the nations are those people. They're still sinners, but they never took the mark of the beast. But they didn't receive Jesus either. So they don't get eternal life, but they're not tossed in the lake that burns the fire and brimstone where the beast, false prophet. A thousand years later, the Lucifer joins them. Instead, they are the corners, not harvested. They're allowed to live up to a thousand years or until they sin the first time. And upon their first sin, a morning star judge shows up at the speed of thought, hits them with a morning star. And just like with the two witnesses, these are my two witnesses, the two candlesticks stand before the God of the earth. If any man hurt hurt them, fire proceedeth out of the mouth and devoureth their enemies. That's the morning star. So morning star judge hits them with a morning star. They fall on the ground, a pile of ashes and bones, destroying both body and soul. That's what it's talking about. Now, verse 10. And in that day, there should be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign to the people; to it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set His hand again the second time, to recover the remnant of His people. Now I believe that that's slowly started already, but it's going to increase because remember the scripture there where it says, "A uh, measure of wheat for a penny." And three measures of barley for a penny, and see, that hurt not the oil in the wine. Well, we know that we are the wheat, and we also know that Jews are the barley. So it says a measure of wheat for a penny, so that's one measure of wheat, three measures of barley for a penny. So I think that's saying that of the people saved in the last half of the tribulation, last three and a half years, one-fourth of them would be Gentiles, three-fourths of them will be barley or Jews, So he's saying he switches his attention, as he one of the angels told Demetri Dudeman that when the the Gentile book of life is filled, then his attention is going to go to the Jewish book of life. All right, so let's go on. Said, uh, verse 11, a second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt, from Pathros and from Cush and Elam and Shinar, and from Hamath and the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel. I believe that's about to start in a much, much bigger way. And gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The envy also of Ephraim shall depart, and the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off. Again, I'm to tell you that this is taking place in your lifetime. And I think what is going on in Israel right now, I think this is the hand of the Lord. And I think by the conclusion of this, you're going to see Israel give the Palestinians a state. That's part of the prophecy. <clears throat> but remember, the, the 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 prophecy says that, well, here, let me just... I, we've covered that a lot of times in prophecy. I, in prophecy, club. I don't want to cover all that. Let me just go on here. I, I'll get... Bogged down in prophecy. Okay, so, the adversaries of Judah should be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah, and Judah shall not vex Ephraim. In other words, God's attention, God's blessing is about to go to Israel. But they shall fly upon the shoulders of the Philistines toward the west. In other words, in remember John Paul Jackson had a, he saw a newspaper headline among many, but one of them said, what other secret weapons? Does Israel have? I believe that not this war. Let let me, there's a couple of things I need to say. Okay, I believe this war is going to conclude with Israel giving the Palestinians a state. Then oil will be discovered. And I think I know who's going to discover that oil. The oil will make the Jews willing to fight for the land and also give them the finances to build their military. When their military is built up, then Israel and America will go against most of the rest of Islam. And Israel apparently then pulls out a secret weapon. And Islam, the Muslims, the Arabs, whatever you want to call them, there's a great slaughter. And Israel gets back all of the land, which I do have that ready to show you. Let me jump to, let's see if I can do this here. Uh, I'm not very good at this. Present. I guess I have to stop screen to show you a different one then. Okay, here. No, no, no. Share screen. Okay, here we go. I got it. There. Okay. So it says, Genesis 12, 3. I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you. On Dan it says, and unto thy seed I have given this land from the river of Egypt, unto the great river of Euphrates. Well, what does that mean? Well, To Abraham, Moses, and Joshua, God said, I'm going to give you every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon that I've given you. So every place Abraham, Moses, and Joshua walked is all Israel's land. Well, where is that land? It's from the great river of Egypt, that would be the Nile, all the way over to the Euphrates. So the map looks like this today. But after Israel has their great victory, it's going to look like this. So about a third of Egypt is Israel's property, and at least this top part, according to Ron White, <coughs> uh, where Moses walked, was all around in this area here. So I'm not totally sure that they get it all the way to the water. I, I don't know what, but, but they're going to get a large share of Saudi Arabia and all the way over to the Euphrates from. The Euphrates here to the Nile here. All of this is all Israel's land. So apparently what happens is Israel is given a secret weapon. And with that secret weapon, there's a great slaughter of Muslims. Uh, Okay, let's go on to this one. Okay, so they will fly upon the shoulders of the Philistines toward the west. They shall spoil them of the of the east together and they shall lay their hand upon Edom and Moab and the children of Ammon shall obey them. And the Lord shall utterly destroy the tongue of the Egyptian sea. And with his mighty wind shall he make his hand over the shall he shake his hand over the river and shall smite it into seven streams and make men go over dry shot. Now, I believe that this takes place during the 10 days between. The uh, feast of tabernacles, excuse me, the feast of of of, 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 of trumpets and the feast of, 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 of atonement. Ten days. The earth shakes and we'll go on. And there should be a highway for the remnant of his people, which should be left from Assyria. So that's what we call Syria today. Like it was unto Israel in the day that he came up out of the land of Egypt chapter 12. And in that day, thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou was angry with me, thine anger is turned away. He's talking to Israel. And thou comforts me. In other words, God is about to bless Israel. He's about to bless them really, really powerful. Lots more than America was ever blessed. And in that day, you'll say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. So God is about to bless Israel. Behold, God is my salvation, I will trust. And be not afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall you say, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, in other words, there's a lot of Jews that turn to Jesus. Make mention that his name is exalted. Not all of them, by the way. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion. Zion is about a 30-minute walk from the Mount of olives. But in general, Zion is referring to Israel. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Now, here's the important part, because this particular chapter is largely, not totally, but largely talking about America. Isaiah chapter 13. The burden of, and this is specifically what he said to me, without a question, this is coming in our lifetimes. The burden of Babylon, or America, which Isaiah, the son of Amoz, did see. Lift up a banner upon the high mountain. Uh, okay. What's that? Well, I looked up the word banner. Well, here, I can show you. I've got it still here. Okay, if I remember. Yeah, that is given a banner unto them that fear thee. So a banner is a banner that has to do with the war, where God is going to protect them. And in this verse, and he brought me to the banqueting house, and his bang- banner over me was love. So it means that God is about to protect Israel. Now, let's go back here. Lift up a banner upon the high mountain, exalt the voice unto them, shake the hand that they may go to the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my sanctified ones. I've also commanded, called my mighty ones for mine anger, even them that rejoice in my highness. I think it's gathering Israel. In other words, where he's saying, beat your plows into, into swords and There's a great deal of strength given to people of Israel. Remember, David said that God gives you the strength to break an iron bar. I've commanded my sanctified ones, and I've also called my mighty ones for mine anger, even them that rejoice in my highness. The noise of a multitude in the mountains. We're talking about Ezekiel 38 and 39 with the Russians and all of her buddies. China, all of those people east of the Euphrates River. I did a program on this like a week ago. All of those east of the Euphrates River all come down to attack Israel. There's a scripture that says, though the whole world comes down to attack Israel, they will not be victorious. I mean, that's when Jesus returns for Armageddon to see to it that Israel emerges victorious. I've commanded my sanctified ones. I've also called my mighty ones for my own anger, even them that rejoice in my highness. The noise of a multitude in the mountains, like as of a great people, a tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered, this time again. Gathered together the Lord of hosts, musters the host to the battle. In other words, the Lord of hosts is gathering them. Remember the scriptures say God has put on their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give to their king their the power of strength unto the beast until the words of God should be fulfilled. So God is the one that laid it on their hearts to form a world government, a new world order. Why? So he can gather them all down to attack Israel. That's the hook in the jaw, Ezekiel 38-4. God puts a hook in the jar, which I believe is massive amounts of oil soon to be found in Israel. And they're going to come down because they ran out of oil, which is why they're on horseback. Okay, let's go on. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord, with the weapons of his indignation. To destroy the whole land, howl ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty, the morning star. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. And they shall be afraid, pangs and sorrows shall take hold of the Russians. That's what it's talking about. And the Chinese shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. Why are their faces as flames? Well, I know what you're going to say. And that's when he blows the morning star down. And yes, that is the final one. But I think there's another one. In Isaiah 30, verse 26, says the sun gets seven times hotter. Another scripture says that all skin turns black. I think we read that a couple weeks ago. Anyway, <clears throat> I think that's what it's talking about. Uh Faces are as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger. Now, a lot of people want to say, especially the pre tribbers and by the way, I love my pre tribbers And as long as you're willing to hang on to Jesus, if you don't get raptured out, then that's that's fine. You can believe it, okay? But With wrath, they want the pretribbers want to say, "Well, the wrath is a seven-year seven year tribulation." Some of them want to say the wrath is the last three and a half years. A few say the wrath is the last one hundred days. But I'll tell you, I've done our study on wrath, and it's like three hundred and fifty times in the Bible. So it takes like all. I mean, one evening in our Bible study, when we we're having it down at the church, we ran with we read all of the scriptures, all three hundred and fifty of them, having to do with the word wrath. And everybody, as I already knew, <laughs> we all concluded wrath, the final wrath is one thing, and that's the morning star. Happens on the Feast of Trumpets at Armageddon when they fall to the ground in a pile of ashes and bones. That's the wrath. For when they shall say, peace and safety, sudden destruction shall come upon them as travail upon a woman with a child. Um, For we should not, I see, how's it word? Not, not, uh, not, not. Uh, we are not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not appointed to wrath because the wrath happens on the Feast of Trumpets. And we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb about four months before on the Feast of Pentecost. And I can show you, I believe it's Exodus 19.1 tells you when the, the the first marriage took place. And that's when God said, I will be your God if you will be my people. That's when they heard the audible voice of God. Everybody starts shaking. So they told Moses, don't let him talk to us anymore. Have him talk to, uh, to you, and then you come and talk to us. But that's when the first, um, in the third month. I got the Bible here. Let me just jump and show you. Okay, let's see. Let's look up. Uh, third month. Ah, There you go. Hey, I got it. Nine, Exodus 19.1. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same came they ended the wilderness of Sinai. He tells, I bear you on, on eagle's wings. You're going to be a particular people to me above all other peoples of the earth. And that's when the Lord spoke to them. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And I think that's where we got, I do. Do you accept this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? Having to hold all that I do. Because that word right there, because our forefathers read the King James Version for the most part, not all, but for the most part, I do. So the first wedding took place in the third month right here. Okay, what is in the third month? There's only one of the seven feasts in the third month, and that would be Pentecost. So that's how we know the marriage supper of the Lamb takes place on Pentecost. So the pre-tribbers want to say, oh, yeah, well, when Jesus comes to get us and pull us in the sky before the tribulation starts, then we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh-uh. Marriage supper of the Lamb is very specific when it happens. It happens on the Feast of Pentecost. And sad to say the tribulation doesn't actually start on Pentecost. Uh, tribulation actually started on, on atonement, according to um, Terry Bennett. Okay, so let's go back. We were in Isaiah thirteen two, I believe it was. Yes, right. Yeah, <clears throat> thirteen. Try again. <sighs> I read four. Let me start at five. They come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. Meaning that Armageddon is not just the Russians. It's from the end of the world. God calls the nations down, the armies down that are willing to attack Israel and destroys them in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. Verse six, how ye for the day of the Lord is at hand, it shall come as a destruction from the almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt, and they shall be afraid, and pangs of sorrow shall take hold of them, and they shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth, and they shall be amazed one at another, their faces shall be as flames. I read that. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, lest the land lay the land desolate, he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. Here's where we caught up, really. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in its going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. When does that happen? Isaiah 30, verse 26. And the sun scorches everybody in the fourth vial. Then in the fifth vial, Revelation 16, 10, which I won't go to, the sun goes out. 72 hours before Jesus returns for Armageddon, sun goes out and it never, ever, ever relights because nothing competes with Jesus being the light of the world. Sun goes out and it never relights because Jesus literally is the light of the world. So it says the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not get their light because when he blows that morning star down in front of the scripture, it says the the sun, the moon, the stars, all dissolved. They're all gone. Nothing competes with Jesus being the light of the world. Stars of heaven constellation, of they shall not give their light. The sun should be darkened and it's going forth, and the moon shall not cause their light to shine. They all go dark. They're all dissolved. And I will punish the world for their evil, and the wicked for their iniquity, and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease, and I will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. And I will make a man more precious than fine gold, even a man than the golden wedge of Ophir. Ophir had a lot of gold. But it's saying that the the people that can survive the return weigh less than all of the gold on the earth. Now, um, (laughs) I've had some conversations. I've seen some pictures. How do I say this? One day, I was allowed to look through a book. And I'll just tell you what I saw. I saw pictures of gold bars. Now, let me explain a a metric ton is 2,000 pounds, and it's about four foot by four foot by two foot high. And I saw pictures as far as the eye could see of stacks of gold bars. On pallets. Far as the eye could see. Both sides. I've heard that in just that one location. That there's 400 million metric tons of gold. That's just that one location. And I saw lots of pictures. And they weren't pictures of the same gold. Pictures. Pictures. So there's a lot of gold on the earth but what it's saying and there's another place I believe it's it's I think it's Isaiah says that there will be few men left we could search that but then we'll get off the subject here let me go on therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of a place Isaiah 24 says the earth sh- turns upside the earth reels to and fro like a drunkard and then turns upside down scatter the broad the inhabitants thereof so literally The earth turns upside down. And by the way, I don't think it is turning upside down. I think it is reorienting itself. My guess is that the earth is all messed up right now. Today, we're under sin. But when he makes a new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness, all of the curses are removed. Anyway, let's go on. Therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. And it shall be as a chased roe. What's that? It's a deer. In other words, all the people of the earth is going to be like as if you're chasing deer. It means pretty much no one's living in a house. No one has any kind of like a normal society, a normal way to live. They are running to save their life. It shall be as a chaste roe, and as a sheep that no man taketh up. And they shall every man turn to his own people, and flee everyone to his own land. In other words, everybody on the earth is running for their lives. What are they running from? Well, it is true, they're running from the Antichrist, the mark of the beast. They're also running from all of those people that the Antichrist has got to take the mark, and he's told them to go out and kill anybody that doesn't have the mark. Oh, Stan, that doesn't happen. Oh, yes, it does. Revelation 13, 10. Wait here. I'll just take you there. Let's see. I'm in 13, 13 now. Let's go. Whoops. I keep doing that. Okay. Here we we'll get, get it. I'll get it. I'll get it. Okay. Revelation 13, 10. Here we go. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here's the patience and faith of the saints. There's another scripture where it says, And it was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power is given to him to continue, 42 months. And he opened his mouth and blasphemed me. Okay, let's let's go back to where we were. I'll get off on tangent here. Okay. Read that. Ah, okay, let's start at verse 14. And it shall be as a chaste row. i read that. Everyone that is found shall be thrust through. And everyone that is joined unto them shall fall by a sword. Meaning, when they go out looking for Christians or anybody that doesn't have the mark of the beast, that's what they do. They kill them all. Everyone that is found shall be thrust through. Everyone that is joined to them shall fall by the sword. Their children also shall be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses shall be spoiled, their wives ravished. Behold, I will stir up the Medes against them. Now this part is specifically talking about America. Who are the Medes? Well, that would be the Medes of the Persians. The Persians is Iran. The Medes is Iraq. If there's anybody on the earth that hates Americans, that would be the Iraqis based upon what we have done to them. Behold, I will stir up the Medes against them, which shall not regard silver. As for gold, they shall not delight in it. In other words, they come to kill us because they hate us. They're not coming to steal and to spoil. Their bows also shall dash the young men to pieces. And they shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb; Their eyes shall not spare children. And Babylon, that would be America. The glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees, excellency shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. I've been to Sodom and Gomorrah. I have a shoebox full of sulfur balls from marble size to the size of your fist. And you can take one of those and set it on a stainless steel spoon and light it and a blue flame comes off of it, and it'll burn a hole right through the stainless steel spoon. They can't even test how hot it burns, because it burns so hot, it ruins their equipment. And their equipment only goes to 6,000 degrees, so they conclude that it burns over 6,000 degrees. What happened to Sodom and Gomorrah is, literally, it was covered with balls of sulfur, pure sulfur, and wherever they landed, they just stuck. It was like... Having throwing a snowball, except for it was covered with tar. So try to imagine a big ball of tar that just stuck to anything. And when it stuck, it burned until it totally burned out. So Sodom and Gomorrah was totally burned. And of course, we know that the Russians attack and defeat America in one hour. So great riches have come to naught. That's what he's talking about. Now, I know that's pretty depressing, but I want you to understand by that time, I want to believe, what Vicki Parnell was told. And that is when the bombs come down, we go up. We go up to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Problem is this takes place about four months before Armageddon. So by that time, frankly, most Christians are already dead anyway. But that's all right. I'm willing to give my life for Jesus. It doesn't scare me. It doesn't bother me. As a matter of fact, 40 years, as you can probably tell, 40 years I've been studying Bible prophecy and teaching it and stuff. And in all that time, not me, not my wife, not any of my children has ever had a dream of us being handcuffed, being beaten, being put in some kind of a barbed wire prison camp, nothing. I believe God is going to protect us. And I cannot tell you how many prophecies from Dimitri right up to the the latest prophecies say, that God is going to protect his own. He's going to protect those people that are walking with him. And of course, obviously, if you're watching thus far in a Bible study, you're probably close enough to Jesus to get that kind of protection. But you know, our objective should not be to to live as long as we can or even to live to the end of the tribulation. I think our objective should be to simply say, I serve the Lord. I'm going to try to win as many souls as I possibly can. And at what time he decides it's time to take me home. He's going to, he has the keys of hell and death. He decides who dies, how they die, when they die. So just as I count on him for my eternity, I count on him to provide for me day to day. I'm also going to count on him for my death. And they say, Fox's Book of Martyrs, says that's one of the blessings. They call it the martyr's blessing. And that is when you die for Jesus, you never feel pain. In the book, Fox's Books of Martyrs, it talks about people that were burned at the stake. They said, and as the fire started coming up, as it burned the ropes off of their wrists, Christians would raise their hands, singing praises to the Lord. They weren't feeling a thing. They were being burned to death. You go into Revelation 3, I believe it is, where it says Antipas was my faithful martyr. I believe that when we're giving our life for Jesus, we never feel a thing. Talk about Ken Peters. So in his dream, he's gone to be with the Lord now, where he lived through the first three and a half years of the tribulation until he got his head cut off. He said... A lot of times they were having to hold them down. They didn't have to hold me down. He said, I crawled up there, face up, laid my hands out. And this guy with a big black cloth over his head, this big scimitar, curved big scimitar cord like the the, the Muslims use, came down. He said, the instant it touched my skin, I was gone. I never felt pain. Instantly, I was out of my body and, it's, you know, then saw what was happening in my body, but I never felt pain. But even if we feel pain, that's okay too. As a matter of fact, Monday's program is going to be me reading Demetri Dudeman's testimony. I highly recommend you watch it. Anyway, let's go on. Verse 17, Behold, I will stir up the meads against them. They shall not delight in silver, and as for gold, they shall not delight in it. The bows shall dash the young men to pieces, and they shall have no pity on the fruit of the womb. Their eye shall not spare children. And Babylon, the glory of the kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees, excellency, shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, in other words, nuclear weapons, heating all over America, and in one hour. So great riches have come to naught. It shall never be inhabited again. Why? Well, for two reasons. One, about four months later, Jesus returns. But also... It's nuclear. It's radiated. So nobody wants to live in America anymore. But that's all right. That's a very, very small portion of the whole world which we get to live on. Of course, you know, if you're uh, blessed to be one of the overcomers, then, and he that overcometh, well, I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I write upon him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh then out of heaven from my God, and I write upon him my new name. So if you're an overcomer, Yeah, I never have to worry about where you're going to live. And I've prayed many times, Lord, I want to be an overcomer. Probably you have too. It shall never be inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. Neither shall the Arabian pitch their tent there. Neither shall the shepherds make their fold there. But wild beasts of the desert shall lie there. And the houses shall be full of doleful creatures. And owls shall dwell there and satyrs shall dance there. And the wild beasts of the islands shall cry in their desolate houses and dragons in their pleasant palaces. And her time is near to come, and her days shall not be prolonged. For the Lord will have mercy on Jacob, and will yet choose Israel. Meaning, and you see, this is what a lot of Americans don't understand. We don't have an everlasting covenant with God. America doesn't have an everlasting covenant. Whereas Israel, Israel does. Even though she was scattered around the globe, Israel has an everlasting covenant. As long as there is sun, I believe the Bible says, there will always be an Israel. Yet choose Israel and set them in their own land. I'm telling you, Israel is about to be blessed. They're about to be blessed powerfully. I will yet choose Israel and set them in their own land, and the strangers shall be joined with them. Now, I suspect that that's talking about Christians and Jews that God will allow to move to Israel and they shall cleave to the house of Jacob. I guess maybe I should tell you that it's okay, okay. Okay. Let me just take a second. It was plus 20 years ago. As I was waking up, I had a vision. I looked down and I was looking at an airplane that was it. Was like probably a seven zero seven, maybe you know, what a great big one. But it was the plane was how 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 would I show you this here? Let me see. I can't where you can see me? Okay, there we go. The plane was like about this wide, and there was a stair going up to it. And I saw people going up the stairs, getting on the plane, and I heard an audible voice say, two men will get on the plane with the virus, and before the plane can land, everyone on board would be dead." This will be the beginning of the end of public air transportation. And I said, What? And the voice rebuked me, said, You weren't listening. My wife often says that. You don't listen. I've heard that all my life. I don't listen. <laughs> so it repeated. It says, Two men will get on a plane with the virus. And before the plane can land, everyone on board will be dead. This will be the beginning of the end of public air transportation. And for a lot of years, I couldn't figure out why I was even told that until recently. I believe that what he was saying is at the right time, when you see this, this would be a very good time for you to buy an airline at a very, very good price. And that's one of my goals. I want to buy an airline. I didn't say an airplane, an airline, because I want to be able to fly Christians and Jews back to Israel. As a matter of fact, uh, a recent program, I... Uh, I read a prophecy from Maurice Scholar where he, he didn't even know this, but we were sitting at dinner one evening and all of a sudden he said, Lord, here. And he started talking. I picked up my cell phone. I started recording and I recorded it. And he said, I see you like bringing a lot of people back to Israel. I think he called it Aliyah. And God is going to give you a place, south and southeast. Of what is Israel today, southeast, south, south and east of the Dead Seas. Anyway, going to give us an area for us to bring people back, and so that's one of the things I want to do is get on global radio and TV, and uh, let's see, um, 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 what was his name? Another minister. <laughs>
1: He knows the Bible very,
0: very well. I can't remember his name right now. I, I, any other time I can call it. But anyway, and, and we've already talked about it. He's going to get on this global radio and TV and call Christians and Jews to contact us if they'd like to move to Israel. So we will see how that all works out. Okay, so let's go back to this. verse, Chapter 14, verse 1. And the Lord will have mercy on Jacob and will yet choose Israel and set them in their own land and the strangers shall be joined with them. And they shall cleave to the house of Jacob and the people shall take them and bring them to their place and the house of Israel shall possess them in the land of the Lord for those servants and handmaids, and they shall take them captives whose captives they were and they shall rule over their oppressors. Now, I don't think that part's talking about us. I think that's talking about when Israel pulls out their secret weapon and there's a mass slaughter of Muslims, they get back all of their land. Then those people, that had oppressed Israel will become their handmaids and servants. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall give thee rest from thy sorrow and from thy fear and from the hard bondage wherein thou wast made to serve. I'm telling you, there's a big blessing coming for Israel. It's coming. And that thou should pick up the proverb against the king of Babylon, that would be America, and say, how has the oppressor ceased? Are we oppressing Israel right now? Oh, yes. Blinken was just over there telling him, You need to calm down. You need to calm down. Look at what would America do if we had people from Mexico come up and kill 1,200 of our people and take about 300 of them hostage over into Mexico? What would we do? Um, You know, the wrath of God would fall on them. We would be over there. It wouldn't be nice. I mean, you don't want to know my opinion of what I think Israel ought to do because I, I'm, for, I'm very much for Israel and I can't understand Christians that are not. <coughs> Genesis 12, 2. I will bless them that bless you and I will curse them that curse you. <coughs> okay. <coughs> okay. And it shall come to pass in the day that the Lord, verse 3, shall give thee rest from thy sorrow. That's Israel and from thy fear and from the hard bondage wherein thou hast made to serve, that thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, how has the oppressor ceased, the golden city ceased, the Lord has broken the staff of the wicked and the scepter of the rulers. Right now, that's America. America is a nation of liars. I mean, how many times have we heard (coughs) (laughs) reports of something and it was a total lie Oh, lies. He who smote the people in wrath with a continual stroke. He that ruled the nations in anger is prosecuted and none hindereth. Okay, we, I mean, like, we have corruption at the highest places in our government. And they're just, we we can't seem to get any justice. That's what it's saying. The whole earth is at rest and is quiet. They break forth into singing. Now we jumped into the millennium. (coughs) Sometimes. Sometimes, hang on. Sometimes the Bible does that. It's rolling along and all of a sudden, it totally changes. So we just change. We're in the millennium. Yea, the fir trees rejoice at thee. And the cedars of Lebanon, saying, Since thou art laid down, no feller has come up against us. In other words, since Jesus has returned, there's peace on the earth. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. Now, all of a sudden, we jump back to the Feast of Trumpets at Armageddon. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up, raised up them from the thrones, all the kings of the nations. This is talking about, see, there's, there's two different. All right, let me see. I think I can jump to show you what I'm talking about. Hang on, hang on. Yes. Uh, we want this, this one. Okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. Hang on. Share screen, window, this one. Okay, so <clears throat> this is First Fruits. I've covered this many times on the program. The next time Jesus returns, he returns to the Mount of Zion. When he returns for Armageddon, he, he returns to the, the Mount of Olives. Remember the Bible says he put his feet down on the Mount of Olives, they split in two. But then Revelation 14, 1, I looked and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Zion. It's about a 30-minute walk from Mount Zion over to Mount of Olives. It's not the same. So Jesus returns two more times. Am I showing this right here? Let's see. I hope I'm. Sometimes I do this thing wrong here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 That's good. Let me, let me, uh See if I can jump to a bigger version. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so the next time Jesus returns, he returns on first fruits. He resurrects 144,000... One- I know this is complicated. Get my book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. It's really the only way you're going to understand this. He resurrects 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys. They walk around with him for 50 days. Then on Pentecost, as we just talked about earlier... Then we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, where Jesus is crowned King of kings and Lords and Lord of lords. Four months later, we're all in white horses. We return for the Feast of Trumpets. Now, I forgot the point. I oh, yeah, okay. All right. So 10 days later, this is when the earth shakes for 10 days from here to here. This is judgment by fire. Jesus is the judge right here. Okay. Jesus is the judge. This is the judgment seat of Christ. This is Armageddon. This is when we get our glorified bodies. Out of our belly flows, flows, flows rivers of living water. And our moment, we get all of our, our, our mantles, our crowns, our rewards, everything, 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 everything. For us, eternity starts here. The earth shakes for 10 days later. Then, 10 days later, it's the great white throne. This is where the dead not in Christ are judged. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and the book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things written in the books of book according to the works. The sea gave up the dead which were in them, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to the works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, this is the second death, and whosoever is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's what it's talking about here. So there's two judgments, trumpets, atonement. Then five days later, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And this is when the new Jerusalem comes down. We get our, our mansions at that point. This is when he sends out the angels to the four corners of the earth to gather his elect into the barn. This is the barn. That's what he's talking about. All right, now let's go back to <clears> 2, <throat> 2, I hope I'm not losing you. I hope this is, hope you're with me here. All right. Uh, let's click on this one. Yes. Okay. Where was I now? Yeah, let's start here. Okay. hell from beneath is moved to meet thee at uh, that coming. It stirs up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up from the thrones all the kings of the nations and they shall speak and say unto thee, art thou also become weak as we? Now, this is talking to Lucifer. This is at Lucifer's judgment. This is him standing before Jesus. Okay? He says, art thou become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave. And the noise of thy vials, or his speech, The worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? By the way, he's not the morning star; he's son of the morning. How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, "Ah, I will ascend unto heaven; I will exalt my heaven, my exalt my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides." Of the North. Sides of the North. Have you ever tried to look up the North Pole on maps? Next time you got a few minutes, look it up because you're about to discover that probably out of 40 maps you pull up, most of them don't even have a North Pole there. So here's what you have to search for. Search for ancient North Pole maps. Then you will discover that there is a North Pole. And that's a whole long... I'm not ready to explain all that. It'll get me off subject if I talk about that. But apparently, the North Pole is God's throne. Now, it'll be south of Jerusalem when he brings the new Jerusalem down. It'll be different because he makes a new heaven and a new world, okay? <clears throat> anyway... Verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit, and they shall see thee and shall narrowly look upon thee. In other words, like, is this the guy that did all this damage? He's such a pipsqueak. Compared to our new glorified body, he is. They shall narrowly look upon thee. And consider these saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake the kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness, and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners? All the kings of the nations, even all of them, lie in glory, every one in his own house, but thou art cast out of thy grave like an abominable branch, and as the raiment of those that are slain thrust through with a sword that go down to the stones of the pit as a carcass trodden underfoot. Thou shall not be joined with them in burial. Did you catch that? Let me read that again. Thou shall not be joined with them in burial. See, you remember I saw the beast and the kings of the earth gathered in their armies to make war against him that sat on the horse in his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet which wrought miracles before them, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that had worshipped his image. These both were cast in the lake burning with fire and brimstone. Now, I'll finish it. And, and the and and the remnant was slain by the sword of him that sat on the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. That's the morning star. Now, what it's saying is the beast and the false prophet both Cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Then, if you go over to Daniel chapter 7, it says, And his body was given to the burning flame, and then he was judged. In other words, the beast, the false prophet, and then a thousand years later, after Lucifer has been loosed, he goes out to see the nations who return the four quarters of the Gog Gog and Magog, the number of them assumed to say unto the sea, and they'll be okay. All of that. I can't, I I just sit here and quote the whole book to you. So, I mean, I get off subject. Anyway. So then, after a thousand years, Lucifer is tossed into the lake of fire and brimstone with him. And then, there's so there's the beast, the false prophet, a thousand years later, Lucifer is tossed in there, but there's another group too. And that is the people that take the mark of the beast. And their smoke ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest, who worship the beast in his image, receive his mark in his forehead and his hand, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. So, those people that take the mark of the beast, they do not get soul death. They're not tossed into the lake of fire and brimstone in a way that it destroys their soul. They are tossed into the lake of fire and brimstone. Another scripture says where and where the beast and the false prophet are and they should be tormented day and night. Forever and ever and ever. So the beast, the false prophet, Lucifer, and those people that take the mark of the beast, they don't get soul death. They are tormented. Now what's torment? Torment is total, total pain, but there's no escape. There's no hope of escape. It's all evil. Anyway, all right, let's see. Now I lost my place. Where was I here? Start here. Thou shalt not be joined to them in burial, because thou hast destroyed thy land and slain thy people. The seed of evildoers shall never be renowned. Prepare slaughter for his children for the iniquity of their fathers, that they do not rise, nor possess the land, nor fill the face of the world with cities. For I will raise up against them, saith the Lord of hosts, and cut off from Babylon the name, and remnant, and son, and nephew, saith the Lord. And I will also make a possession for the bittering, the pools of water, and I will sweep it with the besom of destruction, saith the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts has sworn, saying, Surely, as I have thought, so shall it come to pass. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. That I will break the Assyrian in my land. Who's the Assyrian? He's talking about the Antichrist here. And that's one of the reasons that A, The Antichrist is probably Muslim, although he won't be Muslim, but his fathers were. He won't regard the God of his fathers, okay? Probably he's going to come from Syria or that general area, up in that general area. And uh, let me go on. I will break the Assyrian of my land, and upon my mountains tread him underfoot. Then shall his yoke depart from off them, and his burden depart from off their shoulders. This is the purpose that is purposed upon the whole earth. And this is the hand that is stretched out upon all the nations. For the Lord of hosts has purposed it, and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? In the year the king Ahaz died was this burden. Okay. Okay. Let me jump. Here we go. (coughs) We're going to jump to Isaiah 17 now. The bird of Damascus. Behold, Damascus is taken away from being a city and shall be a ruinous heap. This is one of the most famous prophecies in the whole Bible. People that don't even know prophecy, don't even know the Bible. They know that Damascus, one of these days, is going to be a ruinous heap. Because Damascus is one of the oldest cities on the planet. And history says it's never been totally destroyed. So this prophecy is unfulfilled. And I believe Israel has said that if if Tel Aviv is hit with a missile, that Mecca will be hit within minutes. Probably not just Mecca, probably Damascus too. Because Mecca is the center of Islam or Saudi Arabia, and Damascus, apparently, is the center of Syria, at least scripturally. (coughs) Hang on. Okay. The cities of Roar are forsaken, and they shall be for flocks, which shall lie down, and none shall make them afraid. Now, I haven't looked up what a a Roar is. We'll go on. The fortress also shall cease from Ephraim, that's part of Israel, and the kingdom from Damascus and the remnant of Syria. They shall be as the glory of the children of Israel, saith the Lord of hosts. And in that day it shall come to pass that the glory of Jacob shall be made thin and the fatness of his flesh shall wax lean and shall be as when the harvest man corn and reapeth the ears of his arm and shall be as he that gathereth ears in the valley of Rephaim. Yet gleany grapes shall be left in it, as the shaking of an olive tree, as two or three berries in the top or uttermost bough, four or five in the uttermost fruitful branches there, saith the Lord God of Israel. At that day shall a man look to his maker, and his eyes shall have respect to the Holy One of Israel. Now, I read that because for two reasons we believe that this is having to do with the last days. Now, let's jump on. And he shall not look to the altars, the work of his hands, neither respect of which his fingers have made, either the groves or the images. In that day shall his strong cities be as a forsaken bow, and an uppermost branch, which they left because of the children of Israel, and there shall be desolation. Because thou hast forgotten the God of thy salvation, and hast not been mindful of the rock of thy strength. Now this is talking about Israel. This is probably talking about these days. Therefore, shalt thou plant pleasant plants, and shalt set it with strange slips. In that day shalt thou make thy plant to grow, and in the morning shalt thou make thy seed to flourish. But the harvest shall be a heap in the day of grief and of desperate sorrow. Woe to the multitude of many people, which make a noise like the noise of seas, and to the rushing of nations, that make a rushing like the rushing of mighty waters. The nations rush like the rushing of many waters, but God shall rebuke them. And they shall flee afar off and be chased as the chaff of the mountains before the wind, like a rolling thing before the whirlwind. That has to do with Armageddon. I think this up here has to do with probably present-day Israel. <clears throat> now, this is Armageddon. This is a famous verse right here. And behold, at evening tide trouble. And before the morning, he is not. This is the portion of them that spoil us and the lot of them that rob us. That's saying a lot. Now, let me explain. And behold, at evening tide, trouble. When does Jesus return? He returns in the evening. I can show you from other scriptures. And before the morning, he is not. Meaning the day of the Lord is not 24 hours. It's less than 24 hours. It's saying that Jesus returns in the evening and before the morning, he has burned up all of his enemies. That's what it's saying. This is the portion of them that spoil, him, spoil us and the lot of them that rob us. Meaning, in the evening when Jesus returns, it is eternity is darkness. We've talked about this. So as he returns, <clears throat> yeah, we'll get to that. However, let me click this a second. As Jesus returns on that day, he's riding a white horse. We're coming from the marriage supper of the Lamb. Behind Jesus is two angels with sharp sickles. They slash the grapes. What's a grape? A grape is a great nation, or a nation that doesn't have hardly any Christians in it at all. And Jesus, using the morning star, the breath of his mouth, branded Jesus' sword. That's the morning star, and he burns up the tares. Okay. They fall to the ground in a pile of ashes and bones. I had one guy walk up to me in one of the meetings. He says, okay, so if Jesus uses the morning star and burns up all of the tares, how come the blood rises to the horse bridles by a space of 1,600 furlongs? And I said, do you know I do have the answer, right? He said, I figure. <laughs> I said, well, the other two angels with sharp sickles, they slash the grapes. And the grapes are those people that are not among the Christians, the grape nations, people like probably China and a lot of them. And that's where the blood rises to the horse bridles by the space of 1,600 furlongs outside of the wine press or outside of the city during the wine press. That is the wine press. So this is what it's like when Jesus returns. So he's on a white horse, two angels with sharp sickles, the armies of heaven. And then we're in tow. And when he returns, see eternity, if you go back and look in in Genesis chapter one, eternity was darkness. Before God said, let there be light. Okay, eternity was darkness. So as eternity starts entering into the earth, the heaven rolls back like a scroll. That's why it rolls back like a scroll. And then remember in Revelation 6, verse 12, I believe it is, and it says, and how's it word? I got to get the start here. It said, hide us, faith, and hide us from the face of him that sat upon the throne, and for the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who should be able to stand? So as they look up, they, Jesus, they see Jesus on the white horse, whether they're on the face of the earth, whether they're deep under the earth in some kind of underground tunnel, or whatever. Everybody on earth, every eye shall see him. They see him right through the ground. They see him right through whatever ceiling is above them. They see Jesus. And they see that morning morning star come down in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. And what it does for the tears that burns them up. But as it hits us, see, because it hits the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, everything, 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 everything in existence. It hits at everything. but as it hits us, out of our belly flows rivers of living water. And just that quick, we get our mantles, our crowns, our rewards for us. Eternity starts. And then once we're outside of time, then we can look back on time as if you're this is my understanding, as if you're holding a fishing pole. In other words, Bible says Bible says everything done in secret shall be shattered from the rooftops everything hidden will be open and made manifest. So I assume we'll be able to get back and look at how Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. We'll be able to look, find out where those 33,000 emails that Hillary lost, find out where they are, find out who killed Kennedy. And all of those questions, be able to see it all because we're outside eternity. And then sometime after the thousand years later, there's a point in the scripture, I've run across it a couple of times. that says there's a time coming God is just going to wipe. He just wipes our memory and we don't remember anything of this life. However, I trust what he does. He's going to do the right thing. He's the righteous judge. Okay, so let's go back to. I think we've got one more chapter. Okay, here we go. Chapter 18. This is one of the chapters that I think a lot of it is talking about America. Woe to the land shadowing with wings. Well, you know the eagle is our symbol, okay? Which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, and yes, if you if you're in Jerusalem, America is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. That Sanders, uh, excuse me, hang on. That's good. That sendeth ambassadors by the sea, even in vessels of bulrushes upon the waters, saying, Go, ye swift messengers, to a nation scattered and peeled, to a nation terrible from their beginning, hitherto a nation meted and trotted down, whose land the rivers have spoiled. Now, wait a minute, Stan. I didn't sound like America. Well, there was a lot of Christians that were part of the forming of America. And I do agree that America was formed by God and given, Daniel chapter 7 says, we were given a heart. But also, there was a lot of evil involved in that too. It wasn't like it was with Israel. Israel was started when they were all clean, when they all accepted God to be their God. Okay, so they started as a clean nation. That's not exactly America, okay? Verse three, all ye inhabitants of the world and dwellers of the earth, see ye when you lifted up an ensign on the mountains and when he bloweth a trumpet, hear ye. That's the return of Jesus, probably. For so the Lord said unto me, I will take my rest and I will consider my dwelling place like a cedar heat upon herbs and like a cloud a dew in the heat of harvest. For afore the harvest, when the bud is perfect, And the sour grape is ripening in the flower, so that tells us that Jesus returns in the harvest time of year. Well, that might make sense because of the whole, if you understand the seven feasts, they have to do with harvest. But it's perfect. Sour grape, ripening flower, he shall cut off both the sprigs with the pruning hooks and take away and cut down the branches, and they shall lift be left together with fowls of the mountains and to the beasts of the earth and the fowl shall summer on them and all the beasts of the earth shall winter upon them. <coughs> Excuse me. All right, let me write that down here so I can come back to it. That is six, eighteen six. All right. Now, let me show you. We need to go to Ezekiel 38. I'm not sure what verse. (coughs) Let me find it. This is similar to what we were talking about earlier, right here, face of the earth. But that's not what I was looking for. Seven years. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. So we going to cut down of the weapons. Okay, here we go. Zechariah thirty-nine four. Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, down all thy bands and the people that is with thee. I will give thee to the ravenous birds of every sort, and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. And let me skip on down. We covered that recently, so I'll skip. I'll skip that part. Here we go. Verse 11, and it shall come to pass in that day that I will give unto Gog a place there of the graves in Israel, a valley of passengers on the east of the sea. And it shall stop the noses of the passengers, and there they shall bury Gog and all, that's the Russians, and all his multitude, and they shall call it the valley of Haman Gog. Seven months shall the house of Israel be burying them, that they may cleanse the land. Yea, all the people of the land shall bury them. It shall be to them a renown the day that they should be that I shall be glorified, saith the Lord God. And they shall sever up men of continual employment, passing through the land to bury with the passengers those that remain on the face of the earth to cleanse it. After the end of seven months, shall they search? Okay. So, point is <clears throat> Isaiah eighteen six. <coughs> They shall be left together, the fowls of the mountains and the beasts of the earth. The fowls shall summer on them, and all the beasts of the earth shall winter on them. Another place in Revelation says, And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, saying, having the everlasting... No, no, that's the other one. And I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he called with a loud voice to all the fowls flying in the midst of heaven, saying, Come, gather yourselves together under the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of all men, both small and great, rich and poor, Free and bond. That's what we're talking about. In other words, the people that are killed in Armageddon takes seven months for all the fowls of the earth to eat them. Verse 7. In that time shall the present be brought unto the Lord of hosts, of a people scattered and peeled, and of a people terrible from the beginning hitherto, and they shall meet it out and trodden underfoot, whose land the rivers have spoiled, to the place the name of the Lord of hosts, the Mount of Zion. Uh let me see. Nah. We'll call it there. See how we're doing. Yeah, it's about time. It's about time. Okay, so I want to pray for you. I think that we don't have long if we go to Israel. And I think that 2024, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I was talking to a very close friend of mine, friend of mine of 30 years, and I was telling him, I said, I think 2024 is going to be a year like we've never seen before. He said, Amen. I said, I'm, I, I can't guarantee it, but I think that probably we're going to see the Palestinian state given I think we're going to see regional borders changed like we've never seen regional borders changed. My guess is Egypt is going to give Israel property, as is Saudi Arabia, as is Jordan. In exchange, Israel is going to give the Palestinians a state. And if that happens in 2024, and if that has to do with Leslie's prophecy, Omar ushers in Palestinian state. And if that means the counting of the Omer, which is from April twenty-fifth to June the thirteenth, then probably sometime between now and June thirteenth, the Palestinians will be given a state. That's going to be associated with a Madrid fault earthquake, which is going to be associated with the death of the dollar, the falling, the crashing of the dollar. Probably, sometime around between now and the election, probably the internal revolution will start. By the end of the year, we will be living in a very different America than we live today. We want to think, oh, an internal revolution where Dimitri's said that. <laughs> we want to think that an internal revolution where Trump is back in charge is good. <clears throat> but the prophecy says some of the people will start fighting against the government. We have six million people that have illegally entered into our nation in the last three years. Many of them are military age. Many of them are terrorists, and they're just waiting for the time when they'll be loosed upon this nation. Probably we're going to see changes like we've never seen before. I want to pray for you because I don't want you to get in fear. You are part of the people that God is going to use to lay hands on people. To use the name of Jesus, not only to see people saved, but healed. Remember, I told you, I, was, I said it many times, August 8th, 2015, Saturday night. Lord, I don't have anything to say for the sermon tomorrow morning. What do you want to say? And I heard words. I said, this is the time of miracles. As the judgment hits, so will my miracles. Miracles like no one has seen, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. You tell them, I will never leave them nor forsake them. I'm going to meet the devil inch for inch, step for step, pound for pound. Everything he does, I'm going to meet him. I believe that you've been on this Bible study, especially if you listen to Prophecy Club. I believe God is preparing you to lay hands on people, to lead people to the Lord, to be an encourager, It's not the time to bite your nails, curl up into a fetal position and get scared. This is the time that prophets of old have desired to see and didn't see. I'll guarantee you, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John would love to be here. They'd love to see it. John the Revelator would love to be here. Of course, I believe he's going to be here. I believe he's one of the two witnesses. We should not regret being a part of this. We should prepare ourselves, our heart, mentally, emotionally, whatever we can do physically to get ready. But this is going to be the greatest soul winning days we've ever seen. Yeah, it may wind up with some pretty bad things happening to us, but bad things that happen to most Christians through the last 2,000 years. I want to pray a blessing for you. Dearly Father, everyone that's watching, be it in person, live, live, or be it recording. I ask you to bless them. I ask you to speak to the heart, raise them up to be watchmen, raise them up to have confidence in you, to walk with you, to have faith with you, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, that they're gonna be part of those people to see miracles like no one has seen going all the way back to Adam and Eve. Lay on their heart to learn your word, learn scriptures, memorize those scriptures, the things that they're going to need to be prepared to serve you in Jesus' name. Also, I want to say, Prophecy Club has not reached our goal of $77,000 that we would use over the process of the years to uh, reach uh, the people. Just just because we're on a platform doesn't mean anybody's going to hear it. As a matter of fact, I think several of the platforms, well, we know, Several of the platforms are shadow banning us. They specifically are, as well as Coverstone was told, this is the year for great um, censorship. So I'm asking you for prayers that we won't be censored. And if you could help us with some kind of a donation, now would be a really good time. If God has blessed you and you can turn around and bless someone that could teach you Bible prophecy, teach the, the word like this, then, would be a really good time, really good time. Okay, let's see. Uh, looks like I have three messages over here. Let's see. <clears throat> Question The trumpet and the bowl judgments are not God's wrath. Now, the ultimate wrath is the morning star, which happens on the feast of trumpets. I explain this in my book, Secret Door to Order, Understand the Bible Prophecy. Question does soul death mean that such a person is not cast into hell nor goes to heaven? Yeah, soul death means there's it's the second death. As Obadiah nine says, they will be as though they had not been. It destroys both body and soul. Uh see one more question from Tamar. Okay, I don't know if I can find that. Ah, okay. The seventh, it's uh the seven trumpets you said happen over seven seven months, but cannot because the fifth trumpet Revelation nine thirteen to seventeen is the first woe that is five months. Verse twelve of the first woe is past. Behold, two woes cometh hereafter is what it actually says. Well, uh, I, I'd have to read that and study it again. If you will get my book Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. You'll, you'll understand that, but yes, it can happen. And I've graphed this all out on the charts. Here is the, well, here, let me click. Invite screen, this one right there. Okay, we need to go big with that, like maybe there. Okay, so the seven trumpets take play Again, it's an audible voice of God told me. The seven seals play over seven years. The seven trumpets play over seven months. The seven vials play over seven days. Okay, so the locusts start stinging here. See, I think that the first, if you're thinking that the trumpets is one trumpet per month that'll mess you up? They're not one trumpet. Matter of fact, I think these first four trumpets here all have to do with the fourth trumpet where the sun is smitten, a third part of the sun is smitten, and the, the third part of the moon's third part of the stars, and that they the day show not for the third part of the night. Likewise, all of that happens here, probably the first two weeks. This is probably the same event. And that explains why the locusts sting for five months here. Again, I can't begin to explain all of this. Uh, I don't know. Maybe there'd be a topic for another program. But get the book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy at ProphecyClub.com. And... <clears throat> Have you ever spoken about the ten kings without a kingdom? No. Bible says that each one of the kings have a kingdom. On their heads were ten horns. So, no. again, a lot of these questions are going to be answered if you give up a secret to what I understand Bible prophecy. All right. If there's not any other ones, then I'm ready to go. My voice is given out. So, God bless you. Thank you for watching. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be on next Friday or not. I don't know what I'm doing next Friday. I don't know. God bless you. Thank you for coming on.